morning, church. I was uh, so thankful to be part of the men's breakfast yesterday. It was an encouraging time for me personally and an encouraging time to talk about biblical worldview. And so I appreciate the opportunity and appreciate uh, the men that showed up and, and were, and were uh, part of that opportunity to learn about biblical worldview. And just encourage you to share with uh, those who maybe were here. Uh, it's important stuff as we look at the culture that we're in. Uh, now, I've... Uh, <clears throat> done my homework and my research, and uh, when Jeff asked me to speak, he said, you know, about 30, 35 minutes, and so, I, all right, and so I've, I've listened to what he's been preaching for the past couple of weeks, and it was not 35 minutes, and so I promise, <laughs> I promise to be closer to that today <laughs> for, for you, but uh, I've, I'm really interested to see uh, what this year is going to bring for you. Uh, the, the opportunity you have in front of you is incredible. Uh, someone who's been in ministry uh, a long time, this is an, an opportunity that, that I really hope you take advantage of as you practice the way. And, and I'm personally going to listen at home as well. And us sharing with Jeff, you know, just taking the preacher hat out of things that personally, uh, this sounds like an awesome opportunity. And I really hope that you really dive into that. And I know you're going to grow in your faith, your knowledge of him uh, because of your faithfulness to th that ministry. As we look at the world around us, uh, it's no secret that it's full of distractions, uh, it's full of anxieties, it's full of people like us who have a hard time focusing. Uh, I, 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 no secret, have ADD, right? Uh, at, at some point I said, hey, uh, Doc, when, when's a good time to treat this? He said, not yet, but close. <laughs> so so I, am, I am unmedicated ADD and love and life, right? And so I, I have distractions all around me, and, and there's all kinds of things that, that take my attention away, and it's not always intentional. Sometimes I, I just, my focus gets taken away, and, and I, I say that in a, in, a, in a very physical way, where if there's a bird in the room, I'm gone, forget it, you know, I'm, I'm everywhere, but in a spiritual sense, that's my life as well. Sometimes I get distracted, and it's not intentional, but it's the things of the world, the culture, uh, things pull my attention away from where I'm really supposed to be focused on. Now, a similar thing happened uh, in the Bible about 2,500 years ago uh, to the people of Judah. And there was a man named Solomon who built a temple, and this temple was grand, it was amazing, it was uh, this, this incredible uh, structure that people came from all over to worship, to experience, to, to, to experience worship with their God, uh, and it was this beautiful place that Solomon had built, and, and one day, uh, slowly, the people of Judah started to turn their hearts away from worship, they started to turn their hearts away from God. And so God allowed uh, the, the Babylonians to attack Judah and, and destroy the whole city, including the temple that they had spent so much time worshiping in. And the people of Judah remained in captivity until one day God raised up a prophet. That prophet's name was Haggai. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, it takes a while to find its Old Testament. Uh, but in Haggai is where we'll be here just a, a little bit in, in our text. But God raised up this prophet to inspire the people to get back to work. And if I could just share with you kind of the theme of, of Haggai, the, the saying would be, the time is now. The time is now. And that's where we find ourselves here in our, our scripture this morning. Before we get there, I'd like to acknowledge some things uh, that, that really happen in our life that, that we feel in our culture. And, and, and you may experience this as well. Have you ever experienced the thought of, man, I thought by now there'd be more. I thought by now that life would be a little bit different than it actually is. I thought maybe, just maybe, I wouldn't be involved in this, or I thought I'd be further ahead in this. And maybe you're a college kid, and you're thinking, you know, I thought when I hit college, I would know what I needed to do with my life, but I'm still kind of unsure. Maybe you're out of college, you've got your degree, but you're not working in the field you studied in because you're still really not sure how God is going to use you. I'm doing something that seems like it's beneath me, and beneath my abilities, my knowledge, or it might be that you're at an age where you thought, I thought I'd be married by now. 
and you're still single and, and or maybe you are married and, and, and you thought maybe I just hoped by now I'd have a good marriage. You don't really like your marriage the way you should and, and then you thought, well, we're going to have some kids and, and that'll solve it. And now you have kids and you're still overwhelmed and busy and things are still broken. And maybe in your life you've thought, man, I just thought there'd be something more. I thought at this point there'd be something better, something different. And at this point in Scripture, this is the time when Haggai was written. And the people were saying, I really thought we'd be in different conditions, a different shape than we are now. What happened that made them feel this way? Well, let's go back to some history, to the reign of King Solomon. Uh, That's where we'll start. And during the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, King Solomon started construction on this most magnificent, beautiful temple. And it was glorious, and they traveled around, they worshiped God. It was amazing. But after Solomon died, the people's hearts turned away from God. They got distracted. Like people often do, they, they started worshiping idols again. Now, they had literal idols, but, but those can be things in our life that distract our focus too. Things like money or work or uh, other people. And so God allowed a series of events in their lives to pull him back to himself. In 587 uh, B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, destroying the temple. Now, that was humiliating to the people of Judah because they had spent so much time working and worshiping and doing all the right things there. But to add insult to injury, they were in captivity. They stripped away the, the, the identity of the Jewish people. They were devastated. They were in captivity for 70 years, give or take, and, and that's a long time to be enslaved to somebody else, to not be able to, to, to worship, to have an identity in your, in your people, in your culture, in your heritage. That's a very long time. You can only imagine the feeling of hope when later, in around 538 B.C., about 50,000 people were allowed to travel back to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of God. Now, you've got to just picture this. In, in their mind, they're... You know, they're, they're enslaved, they're captives, they're, they're, they're not their own people anymore. And 50 years they've been waiting for this opportunity. Oh, I want to go back, I want to go back, I wish things were the way they were. And around 50,000 people had that opportunity to go back and to rebuild the temple of God. We get to rebuild. We have our place of worship again. We have our house. You can imagine the relief, the excitement going on. And the Jewish people went back. They started to rebuild their temple, and they built the foundation, and they built the altar, and then opposition came. The Samaritans came in and said, we don't like what you're doing. And so suddenly the people that were so excited, enslaved 50 years, they, 70 years, they come back and they go, man, this is great, let's rebuild. Someone comes and goes, uh-uh, don't like it. Okay. No thanks. That's too hard. That's too difficult. It's not the right time to, to do this right now because it's hard. It's not easy for us to do. Now, the people were initially excited, but yet the opposition revealed really their spiritual condition of their heart. You see, their faith was more shallow than it should have been. And I liken this to if you've ever been to a church camp or a conference or retreat where you come back and you were on fire, ready to go, change the world, get deep in my faith with God, and then life happens. And suddenly that that excitement dies down and burns out just a little bit. They were shallow. And it's easy to love and serve God when there's no trials in life. It's easy to love and serve God when, when nothing bad is happening to you. But Christ didn't call us to an easy life. He didn't call us to a life where there'd be nothing wrong, no trials, no troubles, because if that was the case, 
every seat in every church across our country would be full. God didn't call us to an easy life. He called us to a life that would be worth it if we were faithful. And so the people are really experiencing this where, where they weren't really quite in love with God. And, and this is the backstory. Because of opposition, they gave up building the temple. For 14 years, the people didn't work on the temple. 14 years. For, for five decades after the temple was destroyed, that's all they could think about was we've got to rebuild. We've got to, re we've got to get back to worshiping God. And they had the opportunity, we're going to go home and rebuild the temple. And then the opposition comes and they stop for 14 years. Their actions reflected their spiritual hearts. They were people with an outward faith, but no really inward change. And instead of working on God's house, do you know what they did? They spent time building their own houses. They spent time building uh, all of their, their nice houses, and they were very, very nice houses. And they forgot about God's house. You and I, church, were guilty of the same things. I think it's, it's why it's incredible that this year you're really being intentional on this year to refocus your priorities as you practice the way. And so what would God do? Well, he raised up the prophet Haggai to rebuild the temple for God. And that's where we pick up this morning in our scripture. We're going to dive into verse 2 of, of Haggai chapter 1. And it starts off in my mind kind of funny, actually. You might see the humor in this. I hope you do. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. God says, These people. <laughs> now, the reason I find this humorous is because in the Old Testament, every time that, that God talks about his people, what does he say? My people. My people. These are my people. My children. And now God goes, These people. It's like when you have, you know, if you're married and you have kids and, and your kids do something really dumb and you go, honey, your children, right? This is what's going on in God's mind. These people. I, I, you know, you, you get the heartbreak here from the Lord. These people. God's saying, these people, they're not my people. These people are saying, the time hasn't come yet to rebuild my temple. The time didn't come. Now, now why did the people think that the time hadn't come? Well, because they received some pushback. They received some opposition. The Samaritans were opposing them. And what's so funny is, whenever we think uh, that we're doing the right thing and we get some opposition, we think, well, what, what I'm working on must not be from God then because it's difficult. It's hard. And so we quit. We give excuses like, that was too hard. That was too difficult. Surely God didn't want me to do that because I, I encountered a lot of obstacles doing that. We need to understand that the closer we get to God, the closer we do His way, His will, the, the closer we draw to Him, to the matters of His heart, the more likely we are to face opposition. The more likely you are to encounter obstacles. You see, opposition isn't a sign that God is against you. A lot of times it's a sign that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And if I had to guess, as you learn some new spiritual habits this year, you're going to face some opposition. You're going to face some people in your life that go, why are you doing that? Why won't you answer my calls? What's this Sabbath thing you're doing? You're going to experience opposition from people around you, and I don't want you to worry when people oppose you. You should worry when people don't, because you're far from where we need to be. And the moment you start to move forward and be obedient to God in a way that, 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 that He would be pleased with, people are going to be upset. 
People are, are going to, to call you down. I want you to mark it on your calendar. This is the day I decided to, to be faithful to Christ because that next week is going to be mildly infuriating. And if you keep going, guess what? It's going to get worse and worse and worse. There's going to be opposition in your faith. Over and over and over again. I want you to remember this. God, empower me with what I need to choose the right thing, the hard thing, over the easy wrong. You see, it'd be easy to quit focusing on God and focus on ourselves. That's our natural tendency. We're kind of selfish people inherently, but it would be hard, but right, to continue building the temple here. But it was easy and wrong to stop construction and focus on themselves. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It would be easy when someone hurts your feelings to hold a grudge. That's the easy thing to do. I don't like them, not going to talk to them, can't stand it. The hard thing to do is forgive like Jesus forgave. But it's the right thing. The hard thing is, is, is to uh, you know, get out of debt. The easy thing is to keep spending money and spending money and wondering why you're always broke and frustrated. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It's easy to give up. It's easy not to make a difference in the kingdom. But we as followers of Jesus, we have to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. That is what the prophet was telling the people. He's trying to empower them to do. He essentially tells them, the time is now. And for many of you, God may speak to you through his word in a similar way that he spoke to the people through the prophet Haggai. He might tell you through his word, the time is now. The time is now. This year is going to bring some challenges as you grow deeper in your faith. But the time is now. Let's read on in, in verses 3 through 5 of Haggai chapter 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I love that term, consider your ways. Haggai doesn't mince his words here. He, he says, think about how you're living your life. You're living in paneled houses while God's house is in ruins. Now, you may say, what in the world's a paneled house? Like wood paneling? What, what are we talking about here, right? It's, it's high-end living. It's when you drive past the neighborhood and go, boy, I'd like to live there, right? It's the in-ground pools, the granite countertops. It's, it's, it's the butler's quarters. It's all the things, right? And the people were focusing so much on, on their stuff, their wealth, their possessions. They wanted the biggest TV in, in the Jewish neighborhood. I want you to understand something this morning. God is not against us having nice things but God is against us putting nice things ahead of him, okay? He's not against us having nice things. He's against us having things that own us and own our, our focus. And so at this point, the people are kind of putting their own comfort against God's house and, and God's priority. And so he simply says, consider your ways. And my challenge for you this morning would be the same question. Are you putting your own comfort ahead of his calling? Are you making a name for yourself more than you're trying to make a difference in the kingdom? Are you putting your house ahead of his house? Are you consumed with yourself instead of being consumed with God? Is there anything in your life, something that you're putting ahead of God? Consider your ways. God wants us to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. I want to read on here to, to verse 6 gives us some insight into how the people were feeling. God says to them in verse 6, he says, You have sown much, 
and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does, does so to put them in a bag with holes. That, that kind of strikes me in a way that, really, let's think about that. So let me paraphrase for you. You're working your tail off, and, and you don't feel like you're getting anything. You're pouring your life into some career, and it just feels empty and hollow. You've had more than you could ever have before. You've got all the things, but you don't feel satisfied. You entertain yourself. You go to games. You go to movies. You eat out. Yet there's still a longing for something more. Now, can I ask you, how's that working out for you? Consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Are you putting your house ahead of God's house? And so he goes on in verse 7 and 8 and says this, Thus the Lord of hosts says, Consider your ways. It's the second time we hear that. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. I love what God does here. He is so loving. He is so good. The Israelites are thinking, oh, we've got to build this temple. We don't feel good enough to do it. It's not going well. It's hard. It's so hard. And God doesn't just say, consider your ways and walk away. You ever have a children and you say, hey, I want you to think about that. And you walk away. And they go, think about what? But God says, consider your ways. He lets it marinate for a second. And then he goes on and says it again, consider your ways. And then he gives them some steps to think about. Did you see that? Consider your ways, and you go, oh. Consider your ways, and he says step one, step two, step three. Watch how loving God is. The, the Lord Almighty says in verse seven, consider your ways, and he breaks it down. Number one, go up to the hills. Number two, bring down some wood. Number three, get busy building my house. Let's break this down. Go up to the hills. One thing I noticed about central Ohio is you don't have many of those, right? Uh, a hill for you may be a steep driveway, uh, you know, up to something, you know, but, uh, an overpass. Like you don't have, <laughs> you don't have hills here. Where I live in West Virginia, everything is a hill. Uh, I live on Hillcrest Drive, you know, you kind of get the sense of where I live, you know, and, and we, have, we have cattle and, and we have hills that we farm on, and it's, it's hard, right? You go down the hill to feed the cows, and you have to walk back up the hill to the home, you know, and, and I, I live on top of a hill, and the church is at the bottom of a hill, a little further away, and I don't mind riding my bike to work. Home from work is never going to happen. I'm going to ask for a ride because there's a hill, and it's a challenge, right? Hills are hard. Hills are hard, and they're hard to walk up. It takes effort, and, and, and we, we kind of complain, Lord, I'm out of shape. I don't want to do that. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Then God says, step two is to bring down the wood. I don't know if you've ever had a tree fall or had to chop up a tree, but they're not light. And, and we weren't talking about little firewood logs here. We were talking about wood for the temple. This is big stuff. This isn't like, all right, I'll carry a little you know, fire sack with me. No, this is, this is wood for the temple. So you're exhausted from going up the hill. And then, then he says, bring down some wood. You sure, Lord? Yeah. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Then come down and build the house. You see, it's not enough to go up and be there and prepare and bring things down and just leave them there. Now the work begins. Build my house. 
He gave him some instructions here. Build my, now you've got to sweat and put it together. Here's step one, step two, step three. And if you're like me, I'm the guy that's got to know the end result of everything. You're going, but then what? What's step four, Lord? What's step five? What's, what's step six? I need details, Lord. Who's going to pay for it? Uh, how's this going to happen? Where are we going to go? Who's going to be there? Right? I, got, I, I need no details, God. I, I have to know how much time it's going to take, how long I've got to be involved in this, how it's going to work out. I need to know the rest of the plan. And God says, don't worry. I'll get steps four, five, and six. You be faithful with steps one, two, and three. Consider your ways. He doesn't say uh, in the Bible, I'll give you everything you need to know and you'll have all knowledge and do all things. He simply says this, my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Now, if we believe in the authenticity of Scripture, which we do, right? If his word is a lamp unto our feet, he may only illuminate the first step for us. We need to be faithful with that. Once we take the first step, he may illuminate steps two, three, and four. But be faithful with that first step. His word is a lamp unto our feet. You see, we have to do what God showed us before he reveals more. Because you, you might get overwhelmed. Sometimes there are too many details and you get bogged down so you never even get off the starting line. I've, I've had those things in my life. Lord, I need details. He goes, okay, here you go. <laughs> I'm not equipped. Nope, never mind, you know. God's going to give you what you need. Consider your ways. You see, we have to do what God showed us. And we say, I want the details. And God says, you can't handle them. You cannot handle the details. Take the first step. So what do we do? We go up the hill. We gather the wood. We build the temple. Now, if you haven't caught on to this yet this morning, I'm not talking about a physical temple that we need to build. I'm talking about us, you and me, the church. Let's go up on the hillside together this morning, if we could. I'd love to get in better shape, and I know where to start, but it's hard, right? I've got to start eating healthy. I've got to get eight or more hours of sleep each night. I've got to start exercising, and maybe this morning you're saying, I want to get out of debt, but I don't know where to start. Yeah, you do. Quit spending, right? Talk to someone that, that, has, that has gotten out of debt and say, what would you use to help you? There are programs and people and things. It's hard. Choose the hard right, not the easy wrong. Maybe you say, I, I don't know, I'm, in, I'm in, not in a great marriage. I, I'm not sure what to do about it. What do I do, Lord? Humble yourself. That's hard. That's going, honey, I was wrong. I know you were wrong. You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, humble yourself. Apologize for what you've done wrong. Date your wife. Take her, take her out to dinner. Buy flowers. Do something. Maybe you say, Lord, I, I can't go up the hill. I'm exhausted. Do you know how much time I spend at work? Do you know all the things that my kids do? Do you know how much I run for soccer and basketball and all these things? He says, I know. There's probably something in MBA this year that will help you with that. Right? Lord, this is hard. I know. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. You've got to be intentional with each step. So what do I do? Go up the hill, bring down the wood, and build my house. He gives a very simple step, a very simple process. The, the very simple thing is just to stop talking about it and to start doing it. Just quit thinking about it. Quit talking about it. Take the first step. Go up to the hill today. See, God has showed us what we need to do. God has shown us that we need to do things and we need to do it today. Be faithful to God today. We just need to do what God has called us to do.
I want you to remember this statement. You are not responsible for the outcome. You see, outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. God will take care of the outcome. You just be obedient. You go, Lord, I don't know how that's going to end up. It's not for you to know. You just be obedient, and God will take care of that outcome. Don't make God raise up a Haggai in your life to bring you back to what matters. Don't make God say these people because you're his child. His child needs to be obedient. The time is now. When, when we are given an assignment, we're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And some of you might look at your lives and go, I don't know. Is there something I'm putting ahead of God? And if you, if you go, nah, look again, right? Is there something I'm putting ahead of God? Probably a lot of things, if we're honest with ourselves. We put ahead of God. I don't know about you, but there are times I get distracted. I don't mean to, but I put things ahead of God. We need to understand that there is something way better for us, that God has a better way, a better practice. He wants to be first. He wants to be king. He deserves to be first because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you're a Christian today, you've made that confession where you've said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the living God. He is my king. He is my savior. Then let's act like it. Let's take King Kenan off the throne and let King Jesus reign like he's supposed to. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And that's why he sent Jesus. To reveal to us exactly who he was. To reveal to us how good he was. How his heart looked like. His love. Jesus was perfect in every way. Without sin. And he hung around with and loved the worst of sinners. He loved them as they were. You know what? He loves us too. Despite our selfishness. Despite our stubbornness. Despite our laziness. Despite our sin. God still loves us, so much so that he sent his son to die for us. That seems awfully radical, but that's the gospel. The gospel is a radical thing, and you can encounter his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness any time, but specifically this morning. In just a few moments, I'm going to close our time together. I'm not done yet. Don't close your Bibles. But maybe this morning you need to encounter Jesus for the first time in your life. And there are men who will stand in the back, I'm told, and be ready for, for you to go talk to them. It's a simple act of, of obedience. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is and con confessing that you want him Lord of your life, that you're going to make him the king of your heart. Repenting of the sin that keeps you so captive to the world. That, by the way, is a literal stop and U-turn. We've encountered some of those up here. Being baptized to wash away the sins and receive the forgiveness of those sins. But most importantly, the gift of the Holy Spirit in that moment. What an awesome thing. What does God want most of all? Our hearts. The end of verse 8 says all of this. And it wraps it up very nicely. Why do we do all this? That I, meaning God, may be glorified. He simply wants us. He simply wants us to love him with all of our hearts and all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. He wants us to glorify him with everything that we are. That's it. It's that simple. And if you find yourself walking up uh, to, to life and going, I don't know, I'm still empty. I've tried all the things. I've done so much. I've planted a lot of things, but there's no harvest. And, and I, I'm still hungry, and I, but I eat, and I, and I drink, and I'm still thirsty. There's got to be something more. There's a Christ-shaped hole in your life. Nothing else is going to fill it. You're out of sync. You're out of rhythm. And it's time for you this morning to consider your ways.
The time is now. Today is that day for you to give up your selfishness, to, for you to give up your pride, to be intentional with your time. May this morning be the morning that you consider your ways and begin building His house so that He may be glorified. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the opportunity this morning to dive into Your Word, to, to hear the words of Haggai and, and Father, the, the instructions to Your people. And Father, I pray this morning that You'll examine us that you'll help us to root out the wickedness in our hearts. That, Father, as we desire to, to be more like you, that you'll allow us the opportunity, God, to give our hearts back to you, to consider our ways. Father, I ask that, that you are with our worship as we lift up our hearts to you in, our, in song and in praise. I ask, God, that you keep the distractions out of the way, that you help us to clean up our hearts, that, Father, we'll be holy and devoted to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.